0: sharing and so is a great story. Welcome to the Kiwi Foodcast, the show where we sit down with chefs, food businesses, food writers and more to share the stories behind the food they serve. I'm your host, Persin Patel, and this show is brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Let's dig in, everyone. Welcome again to the Kiwi Foodcast. Today on the show, we have Kevin Nadi Sastra, one half of the duo behind the pop-up that has been taking Wellington by Storm, Townhouse Ramen. Kevin's ramen journey began in 2016 with a trip to Japan, but he's actually a systems analyst by day and not a chef. So how did Kevin's love affair with ramen begin? Can you run a successful food business if you also work full-time? And importantly, how can you score a seat at one of his pop-ups? Let's chat with Kevin and find out. Hi, Kevin. How are you doing today?
1: Hi. Yeah, good, thanks. Um, I've got to say, you pronounced my last name perfectly. I'm oh. very surprised. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe it's our shared Asian heritage because yeah, I used to yeah. have a last name which was 16 letters long. So. Oh.
1: <laughs> oh, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, Kevin, tell me, um, how is it growing up? Have you grown up in New Zealand um, and like, has food played a big role in your life?
1: Yep. Um, yeah, so I've pretty much grew up in Wellington my whole life. So my family moved here when I was two years old from um, in- Indonesia. So, yeah, pretty much born and bred New Zealander. Um, okay. And, yeah, uh, food's definitely played a pretty big role um, in my life. I guess I've, I've always loved eating, um, still do. And I guess it's pretty common in, like, Asian cultures where, like, food is – a big role in gatherings and celebrations and all that. Um, so yeah, food's always been something that I've always really loved and, Yeah, yeah, Yeah.
0: I totally connect with you around the kind of food being the reason for gathering. Often um, I get asked a lot about, oh, what happens at this festival that you do in India? And I'm always like, oh, well, we just like kind of meet and then we do this like little thing for two minutes and then then we just eat. And that's (laughs) what it pretty much is about. So I can really relate to that. Um, Do you have any kind of memories of growing up in Wellington? And like you said, you really enjoyed food. Was there like... A particular cafe you enjoyed going to, or eating a particular kind of food.
1: Um, yeah, there's um, <laughs> there's a place in Wellington called KC um, Cafe and takeaway, uh-huh. and I've been going there a really long time. I think it's I think it opened in like the late 1990s, and um, yeah, my family used to go there almost every Sunday, and that was sort of like our our little treat for the for the week. And, um, yeah, and I've always loved going there. I still do. I still think it's one of the best foods in in, um, Wellington to eat. Um, Okay.
0: I must add it to my list then for the next time when I come to Wellington. So, Kevin, you're a systems analyst by day. So, tell me, how did the world of food find you? And, like, when was the first time you had ramen?
1: Um, Let's see. Um, So, I guess this sort of started when I moved to – to Auckland to to study, um, I started working as, I found a part-time job as a dishwasher in a cafe in Kingsland. And um, yeah, I guess over, I was there for about three years and like over time I sort of learned how to do prep and then cook as well um, after that. And then when I finished my degree, I felt a bit burnt out with, with accounting and I just wasn't really enjoying it, but I really enjoyed cooking and working in, in hospo, um, yeah, I just felt really excited around food and cooking and all that. So after I graduated, I decided to sort of put accounting on hold and, um, yeah, pursue being a chef.
0: Oh, my God. Uh, and how, how did your parents take this? I want to know. Like, you finished <laughs> your accounting degree and then you became a chef. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they, um, the funny thing is, so after – I was still living in Auckland about a year after I graduated and um, that year – I didn't know I was I was I was pursuing chefing. So oh, I, so you
0: were just, moonlighting as a chef, basically. Yeah, yeah.
1: So they'll probably find out if they listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I told them that um, I found a, just like a data entry office job for that year, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, awesome, that's cool." But I, I was actually, um, yeah, working over at, at Burger Burgers, um, flipping burgers. <laughs> <laughs> So probably not what they had in mind. Um, yeah. Um, awesome.
0: And um, so, but then when was the first time you had ramen?
1: Um, yeah, that was in 2016. So my family took a trip to Japan and that was, that was my first time visiting Japan. Um, yeah, I, I remember it quite, like, quite well. Like we landed in Tokyo pretty late. We got to a hotel, we checked in and... I was really late. We were very hungry, so we just went to try and find some food, and then um, we found like a ramen shop near our, near the place we were staying in. Um, so yeah, we decided to try that. And I was really new to the whole experience because over there, you go into a ramen shop and like you you put you order through a vending machine. Like you put your money in, you press a button, a ticket a ticket comes out, and then like you give that that ticket to the chef across the counter, and then. He makes you a bowl of ramen um oh, okay. so yeah there's there's no waitresses or anything over there so i was like wow this is so cool <laughs> um and yeah that was the first time i had ramen it was uh a tonkotsu ramen which was pretty popular back then and mm. um yeah i guess that ended up changing my life <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> so um you went on this trip, you tried ramen and then you came back and um, then what happened? Cause I was reading this article, which says you've really gone deep since then into ramen theory. And now you can be found, you have a noodle database. I do.
1: Yeah. So I've, I've got a lot of spreadsheets and I've got like a, a lot of spreadsheets, like my noodle recipes and all that. Um, yeah. So I, I guess it's, it's sort of, Um during lockdown last year was when I really uh um went quite deep into it. I was I mean, I guess what else were you gonna gonna do in lockdown, right? Um Yeah,
0: totally. (laughs) What else could you do? (laughs) Yeah, so I was
1: listening to like a lot of ramen podcasts, um, and they were like talking about a lot of dairy and like the science behind um a lot of the ramen making, sort of like the science of umami and like noodles dairy. Um a lot on, like, flavor extraction um, when you're making, like, soups and broths. Like, I thought I was nerdy, but they, these guys are, like, real nerds. <laughs> um, yeah, like, there was a lot of – it was quite interesting. There was – some like, some of them talk about um, using, like, hard water and soft water to make a noodle and how that affects um, okay. flavor extraction for soups. Um, yeah, so I just got really interested after hearing about all that sort of stuff on – on the podcast, so I did a bit of like reading on, um, on Google and all that. So, um,
0: that's so interesting. I'm kind of my mind's blown that there is a ramen podcast. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that's now so there's podcasts
1: cool. on everything, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: of course, of course. But, um, but that's interesting to kind of really approach it from that really scientifical background Um, and what you said around the stocks and kind of the using the water and stuff. I remember I went on a trip to Guangzhou and um, the Cantonese style of cooking is a very kind of, it really relies on what they call their master stock. And I, I did this food tour where they were talking and this guy was saying that his Master Stock was actually like 75 years old and they really mm. pride themselves on the broth and the stock because that's how the food is cooked. So, yeah, it's kind of really interesting that, you know, there's yeah, all these wow. kind of experiments happening about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose he, did, he, he, he didn't tell you if he was using soft or hard water, did he?
0: <laughs> no, no, he didn't. Sorry. <laughs> maybe you can leave yours for 75 years and then we can do a yeah, podcast yeah, about maybe, it again.
1: maybe. maybe.
0: So, um, you know, you were like kind of really learning about this ramen, but how did this idea to do a pop-up and sell ramen come about? Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Um, oh, so, sorry, was it like just how the yeah. housing came yeah. about?
0: Yeah, how did, um, how did your business come about? Like, so obviously you were, you went on this trip, you were really inspired um, and you've kind of like been learning about ramen, but what gave you the idea that, okay, this is something you want to sell and have people over?
1: Um, yeah, so I, I guess after Japan, I, I, I love ramen after that. And then um, I went to live in Melbourne for about a year where like the ramen scene is very good over there, I've got to say. Um, and then after that, I moved, moved back to Wellington. And I guess I just couldn't really find anything in Wellington that really satisfied that craving. So I started making myself and just sort of trying to make a good bowl of ramen on my own, um, a lot of experimentation. And that's for about a year, year and a half of like doing ramen every month or so. And then one day, Louise had her friends over, and um, I made them a bowl of ramen. And they're like, "Huh, oh, you know, this is actually pretty good. Like, have you, like you guys should sell it." And oh, I we we thought of it as kind of a joke at the time, but then I guess that idea has always been in our head. Um, after that, and then when me and Louise were traveling around Europe, we sort of noticed that, like home restaurants were somewhat common over there, and it was a really cool idea that. Wasn't really a thing back home for us. So, um, yeah, sort of using home restaurants as like the setting and then making ramen because there's not, well, I I feel there's not really that much of a ramen scene in Wellington. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and also on top of that, Louise wanted to practice for the Great Kiwi Bake Off. So, a lot of those ideas formed into one, and that's how we got Townhouse Ramen in the end.
0: That is really awesome, and I assume the name is because you were living in the townhouse.
1: Yes, yes, that's right.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was, it,
1: was, it was kind of funny. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to name it Kevin Ramen at the time, um, but Louise wasn't too fond of the idea.
0: <laughs> yeah, awesome. Oh well, that that's a great story, and I love kind of what you said around the home restaurants because I still don't feel like it's a real thing in New Zealand. Like I think people are still kind of copping onto this idea um, of having people over at mm. your house and of that being kind of like a really fancy dinner or something that you would pay for. So it's it's still very new, I feel, in New Zealand.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I do hope it kind of becomes a trend because it is kind of kind of nice, a bit more intimate. Um, and, yeah, it's kind of just having like a dinner party but just yeah. in someone else's house was <laughs> well, like your friends as well. So,
0: <laughs> so walk me through that kind of, you know, the early days of starting. So you guys, you and Louise decided to do this thing. I presume you set up an Instagram account because how else would you get the word out? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so Louise designed our logo and yeah, we launched our Instagram. Um, one of her friends was at the time was very good on Instagram. Like she told us about hashtagging and all this other stuff that we had no idea about beforehand. So, yeah, we launched our Instagram, and that was sort of how we decided to get the word out there. Um, started pretty small, just like having our own friends over and having sort of like seatings um, with them to make it look like we're actually a, like doing doing something, and we're not fake. <laughs> um, doing
0: a legit <laughs> legit yeah. one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then. I guess we started following like sort of foodies in Wellington and they followed us back. And then I guess they sort of found out that way. Um, But we got our first booking and he actually ended up (laughs) canceling. That that wasn't a great start. Um, But then the week after we had somebody book. Um, So that was our first like complete, um, complete sitting with like strangers um, yeah. So they came in, and yeah, we we were very nervous. It was like the first time doing it. Um,
0: I was gonna say because that would be hard, right? Like, so you've obviously done a couple of ones with your friends and stuff, mm. but at least you have that familiarity with them and that kind of. Um, I guess, you know, just a safety net. But yeah. how was that first night of like having strangers come into your house? Because <laughs> the first time I did that when I did my pop-ups was just, um, well, for me it was a bit stranger because I was also living with my in-laws. So I had to kind of convince them that we were not going to have these kind of murderer <laughs> the type of people coming into our house. <laughs> but, um, yeah, how was it like for you?
1: Yeah, very nerve-wracking, um, that's for sure. Like me and Louise were just so nervous up until the point where they were at like cuz we told them to not meet us at the front door we just told them cuz like at the the place that we lived in then was sort of like a bunch of units um together so we told them to meet us at the as like at the mailboxes and we'll come in and and grab them but yeah, it was, we 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 were kind of worried about it as well like inviting strangers into our house like we don't want them to know what our actual address is. We'll just, like, bring them through the back way and all that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, they, they end up being really nice people. Like, I still actually talk to them now. Um, I, they're probably one of our main supporters, which is pretty cool. So That's we were amazing. very worried, but we didn't really have to be in the end. Uh, they yeah. were probably the perfect – first customers to have
0: (laughs) right and was it like do people in those early days did they have to book like the whole table for six or was it that you could just be like you and a friend coming over
1: yeah so um we left it pretty open because i guess back then we didn't really know what we were going to be doing with it so we kept it pretty flexible so we we weren't strict on table sizes back then so they came just the two of them
0: okay and did you – because I feel that a second part of the thing when you do these kind of home restaurants is also breaking the ice between the other people, right? Because you could potentially have two people and then, like, maybe mm. another group of three, and you still want them to chat. You don't want it to be, like, you know, a bit awkward. Um, but you still also need to, like, focus on the food <laughs> and do that part. So it gets a bit tough.
1: Yeah, yeah. We we, we didn't have too many um... – too many nights where we had, like, two groups at okay. once. I think it only happened, like, two or three times. And, um, yeah, they they tend to, to be pretty separate. <laughs> like, they don't really communicate with each other too much. Um, I think then they had a few words and they just sort of – Okay. Yeah.
0: right? Yeah, that's um, – I mean, I think – there's different models for it, and the thing is the interesting bit I guess is that there is no rule book it's not like a like a restaurant where it's like you know this happens and this happens so every experience can be quite different but still really nice yeah so yeah. um. Yeah, um, and I just love this thing around you asking people to meet you at the post box. So I was reading <laughs> an Instagram post in preparation for this and someone's commented that, oh, now there won't be a guy under a- – <laughs> sorry, I have to stop giggling. <laughs> but it said, okay, now there won't be a guy under an umbrella asking people if they're looking for ramen.
1: Yeah, so that's uh, Caleb. He's um- – one of our probably one of our earliest followers um yeah and um he came for ramen this one time and as as you know in in, uh, wellington it's rainy a lot so um they were waiting by by our like by our mailboxes and it's raining and then i come out there with with an umbrella because you know like I'm pretty sure they're there for townhouse ramen, but you always want to check just in case, right? Yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, are you guys here for the ramen? <laughs> I, yeah, I guess for me it's like not that weird, but I guess for on the on their end, just like a, a random guy coming out with an umbrella and asking them yeah. if they here for ramen. it's it's, it's a bit odd
0: (laughs) (laughs) it is but it's nice it's life experience yeah (laughs) so um (laughs) tell me a little bit then about the evolution since then like so you obviously did these kind of home restaurants but now um you guys pop up at like an actual venue right so how how has that changed
1: yeah so we started getting pretty popular after the film. first few months we we started doing um it in our house so we sort of so we sort of thought that we should as like as like as like a way to expand we would collaborate with like local businesses and sort of do our pop-ups with them mm-hmm. um, and yeah so we, we've been to quite a few places now um yeah probably over 10 actually it, it has been quite a long time um yeah which is actually really cool just like meeting local businesses and seeing how they do things. And, um, yeah, that was a really good, good like, good, good experience.
0: But what's the general model there? So, like, you use their space, and so that means you can obviously fit in more tables, and then do you use their kitchen to produce the food as well? Like, what's uh, in it for them?
1: Um, yeah, so we generally just still the prep in our little house. <laughs> yep. Um, so we were like, bring all of the food over to their place and sort of um, – just use their space as as a venue. And then they would either um, provide the drinks for the night or um, sometimes they would do the d- dessert for us. Um, so, yeah, I guess for them it's a way of getting customers to sort of um, go to their restaurant. Because I guess there's a lot of restaurants here in Wellington. And, and um, yeah, I think – oh, I'm probably phrasing this kind of badly, actually <laughs> –
0: but no, I think uh, it's it's good to partner because what I used to find when I was running my catering company as well, it often makes you one is it makes you more creative. So I've done pop ups where um, so I used to do a very small community cuisine, and um, sometimes you get into the trap of just kind of doing more of the same. But when it's like a pop up with a restaurant, you want to like, I guess be on the same theme or make it match to their menu in some way or the other. So I've at least personally for me, in my experience, it's helped me be a bit more creative with my food. It's also, like you said, help that other business because, you know, it's something that you can jointly promote because the reality in food is that Everyone's just looking for like the next new thing, right? Like the next cool thing to do. So this way it becomes like a cool thing you guys are doing together rather than each having to do their own individual marketing, I feel.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I guess like, I guess for them, like the, um, like exposure is always kind of nice. And um, Mm. yeah, because I know we've done a few pop-ups that were a little bit further out of the city. And I guess like a lot of people wouldn't make their, make a trip out there and I guess they would if we did a pop up over there. Oh, um, that's yeah,
0: that's cool. And um, so I had a question because I saw a recent one that you had posted about you guys popping up, and you had some kind of two hundred odd comments of people going "table for two, table for four. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how you manage this process.
1: Oh um, yeah, uh, so this is gonna be a little bit nerdy as well. <laughs> um, so we we just use like um use like an app um online to export our comments from Instagram to like a spreadsheet. Okay. Um, yeah. And then from there, so this was during lockdown last year as well. So I wrote, I wrote, I wrote a bit of code that would, um, actually like randomly select the people for us.
0: You wrote a code.
1: It's super nerdy, but we, we pretty much keep a database of these comments as well. So, um, yeah, so the, the, so the code I wrote will sort of take into account like how many times a person's commented without getting a table and sort of prioritise them more. Um, okay. All, it'll also leave a portion of them to be completely random as well, um, which is a bit easier for like people just finding out about us. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, just a, more spreadsheets, <laughs> I suppose is how we uh, manage.
0: Right. But was was this like deliberate? Because I was reading an article I don't know, was talking about townhouse ramen, but kind of said that this was like, you know, really unique part about your business model that like they would never knew. And so you were creating scarcity and stuff like that. But I just know from running a food business firsthand that sometimes you do these things from like a necessity point of view and not necessarily (laughs) like a, you know, like this, oh, this is this cool business model thing that I'm approaching, but then you, you did create code. So I want to know (laughs) what was...
1: (laughs) Um, yeah, I guess it was a little bit of both. Like, um, we, cause I guess for us, um, of ramen is still our side hustle. So yep. like we didn't, like, we can't really supply a lot of, like, we, we can't seat all these people. So we decided to do the whole random select jackpot thing, mm-hmm. um, as a way to sort of manage that. Cause like we didn't want people to be waiting on their phone basically until we make a post and then they'll comment. It was like first in, first serve kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess it was sort of a way of just managing um, the amount of people. Because, like, there was, we've always had excess demand, luckily. So Mm. that was sort of our way of managing that. Um, Okay. Yeah.
0: So you went from doing the kind of one table for six, um, and would that always just be the kind of one seating for that night that you were doing in the initial days?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. just because just like, we didn't really want to rush people out of there and all that. So, um, yeah, we generally just had, like, six people one night.
0: Okay. And then now that you've grown and you do a pop-up, how many people would you feed at one of your
1: events now? Um, oh, so the ones where we um, collaborate with a local business and we do more of, like, a set menu kind of thing with our, like, ramen and dessert – um, generally around forty people. Okay. Um, so yeah, still still quite exclusive and intimate. Um, and then we started doing um, pop-ups with um, at a catering company. So we hire out their production kitchen to do the prep, and and they've also got like a dining space out front that we use to serve people. Um, that one's a lot more. We generally serve about a hundred to one hundred and twenty.
0: Wow. Um,
1: yeah, but that that one's like just ramen. Um, so yeah a okay, lot more ramen goes out on that one
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's intense and i mean obviously through this whole thing you've also been working full time um so yes. tell me a little bit <laughs> about that like are you like thinking of new ramen while you are not doing cold at work how does that work
1: um yeah i guess so like there there isn't really a day that goes by that i, I don't think about ramen um mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I guess I try and keep work and ramen separate. Like I'll try and um, not let the side business affect my day job. Um, mm. But then there's just times where I guess you can't really help it. Like you just, you think of an idea and you've got to like write, write it down or something or, um, Yeah. I guess to answer your question. I do think about ramen at work a lot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I guess your pop-ups always just happen on a weekend. So from like a production point of view, it's much easier to kind of manage it.
1: Yeah. So I can't
0: imagine how many noodles you have to cook for like 100 people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I I guess when I – the weeks that I have the pop-up, like I've got a pretty busy week. Like I'll generally like make the noodles Thursday or Friday after work just so they have time to sort of rest in the fridge. Because um, our ups are uh, usually on a Sunday, so that like we can do most of the prep on the Saturday, and like mm-hmm. and like and like after work in the week.
0: Okay, yeah, all right. That must mean Monday is like you must be knackered <laughs> <laughs> Monday after a pop up.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely really hard coming into work on Monday mm-hmm. morning after a pop up. Um, yeah, generally because I, I I do really enjoy doing the pop ups, and I'm always still. Still pretty buzzed afterwards, and then I come into work Monday morning. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm back to sitting at a desk, and yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: but it's it's a good balance to have, right? Because I mean, the reality of kind of owning, I guess, if you are having a food business just full time, is that often it can become it doesn't get you the revenue and the profitability just as much as kind of doing it as a side hustle, which is the reality of it, which is why I feel a lot of people kind of go into hospitality and keep coming out because <laughs> they love food, but it doesn't make you money. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely true. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: What about, um, I want to ask this, do your parents now know that you also do this? Do they <laughs> uh,
1: yes, they definitely do. Um, yeah. So, yeah, my mum is, like, one of our biggest supporters. Oh,
0: that's she'll feel, like,
1: all the Instagram posts, she'll always ask me how a pop-up wins after they're done, which which I'm glad that they're supportive of. Cause, um, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I think it's really important to have that family support as well because yeah. I did the same thing. I'll send my mum my shopping list and be like, can you go buy all these ingredients <laughs> for me while I'm still at work? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So um, – I saw you quoted in an article that where you said that, you know, for you, ramen is not just like noodle soup. So what do you hope people will know or feel about ramen after coming to one of your pop-ups?
1: Um, oh, I guess maybe the amount of work that goes into ramen. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like making ramen, especially from scratch is honestly, is it's, it's a lot of work. Um, there's a lot of components that, they go into ramen. They take a lot, a lot of time. Like the soup, will, like the soup, could be on for like eight hours, or like wow. even up to like sixteen hours. Um, the noodles take quite a bit of time to make, especially because I make everything by hand. Um, and yeah, even like the eggs take a day, like one day to three days to to marinate. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of work that goes into ramen. It's it's um, Yes, and um, it definitely is a labor we of love. I have this
0: perception, uh, and I think Maggie is the one to blame, but you just have this perception that this noodles is like <laughs> this thing that you kind of just you know pop into hot water and then maybe you just put a little more water or like a chicken stock cube and you've got your stock, but yeah. um, that's not the kind of traditional,
1: uh, yeah. traditional
0: way it is, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. I'm, uh, I think most people who haven't had um, real ramen, they sort of, <laughs> think ramen is those like instant packets where you just um, like boil it for two minutes and you've got ramen, (laughs) which it definitely is. And um, yeah, it definitely is like a labor of love, all the components that go into it. Um,
0: Can you tell our listeners a little bit about like what would be the main components? Like if they wanted to um, make ramen at home, um, obviously I would recommend they go to you, but you know, if we're in Auckland and we can't do that, (laughs) what would, what are the for you, I guess, what makes a good bowl of ramen?
1: Uh, what makes a good bowl? Um, um, probably just tasty broth, um, one that's seasoned well, um, and, yeah, just some good noodles, um, one that have, like, a bit of a chew. And, yeah, just, like, toppings that make sense. I think that's the main thing. Like, I see a lot of ramen shops here and they put – I don't know. Like, I remember eating one here and they had carrot on the top of just, like – Basically, just steamed carrot on top, and which is kind of weird. Like the texture and the taste sort of conf- conflicted with the broth. Mm. Um, so, is
0: there key components that you must have? Like, so you, I know that you must always have the kind of broth, and obviously the noodles. have mm. got the meat, um, and egg. That's correct. The marinated yep, egg. Yep. Yep.
1: Um, and what else? Yeah. Mm. So there's 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 five components to ramen. So you've got uh, you've got the broth. You've got the noodles. Um, you've got what they call uh, a tare, which is like the seasoning that goes into into, the, into like the broth and all that. Um, then you've got the toppings, and then you've got the aroma oil. So those are like the five like building blocks of ramen.
0: Okay. Cool. That sounds really interesting. And obviously, we can all access. Um, you can email Kevin and he'll give you access to a database if you want to know any more than that.
1: Yeah, yeah um, like I, I, I do wish there like more people would make ramen at home because I mean like I'm, I'm always really interested to see what kind of ramen people will make at home and there is um, a bit quite a big movement in the US now where there's a lot of like home ramen cooks making their okay. own ramen from from scratch. Yeah, um, Yeah, I'm not I don't think it's quite it's quite so trendy over here in New Zealand, but, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool if it, if it became a thing because, yeah. I, like, I would love to try other pe- people's ramen, to be honest. Um, yeah. I can
0: I can see, like, now that you say that it's kind of these five very broad components, it's like you can just kind of – it's more of a category, right, rather than, like, a specific dish. So a lot of people can just kind of put their own spin to it depending on what you have in your home and um, – Yeah. Like, what are you, what you're doing with it? So,
1: um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like one of the things I really love about ramen is that you can pretty much like tweak and adjust it to basically like, like as many, like, it's like as much as you want. So you really put your own, like your own self into the bowl when you, when you make a bowl bowl of ramen. Mm,
0: Okay. Um, Yeah. I love that. And so, just to kind of wrap up, are you happy for Townhouse to always be this passion project or would you want to take it to newer heights now that, you know, you've kind of gone to the next level, it's gone <laughs> out of your house, it's gone to this um, mm. catering level where you're kind of serving 100 people? What would you, like, what's the long-term plan?
1: Um, yeah, I've been asked this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got to say I'm, I'm really happy for it to be like a passion project like side hustle at the moment. Um, I just feel like it's just we, I can sort of focus more on the food quality that way. Cause I feel like if it became a full-time thing and if I had an actual ramen shop, like a full-time kind of thing, I would feel like because my livelihood and like sort of depends on it. um, Yeah. That might like detract from the food. And it becomes more of a business and I'll be spending more time on that rather than just making the, the ramen better. And yes. that's that's sort of, sort of the key. Like I just want the ramen to keep on improving and get better and focus on that. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And I, I can really identify with that because sometimes, um, yeah, when like this thing that you love and like you love to do, it becomes this business. One is that you might be forced to make – compromises in the product because you just want to, you know, you need to get that food cost down or you need to get that profitability up and that yeah. kind of thing um, <laughs> because that matters <laughs> if you're not getting any money. Um, but, yeah, and it also, like, if it's not this kind of thing that gives you joy anymore, then, it, um, I yeah. don't know, it becomes, like, your work and yeah, it's not exactly, the thing right. that gives you joy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: because, like, I, I generally do really love making ramen. Like, I really enjoy it. And um, I'm not sure if that same love will be there if it's my full-time sort of thing. And if I'm doing it every single day, day in, day out, like, um, yeah. It'll be, it'll be, it would be quite sad to sort of not love making ramen. Yeah. Mm. Um yeah (laughs)
0: okay awesome well I wish you all the best and I hope that you guys are going to be coming to Auckland soon but um, before I let you go we're going to do one last question and so that's my favorite part of the show it's called fast food five just five really fast (laughs) questions about food so are you ready
1: I'm ready go for it Uh,
0: okay a tip you can share with people about making the best broth aside from hard water and soft water. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, oh, Probably just oh, probably have a game plan going in. Like what are you looking to achieve from that broth? Like do you want it to be um, like a light style? Do you want it to be really rich? Because um, I guess that would impact sort of what you put in there and also how long you're doing it, what temperature you're boiling it at um yeah just planning. that's that's
0: interesting I've never thought about it that way so because I've always just been like yeah I'll just <laughs> make some food stock <laughs> so um yeah that's a yeah. that's a cool perspective
1: Is, yeah I, I always feel like if you put a little bit of care into the soup you know it's always like the love really shows in the end bowl
0: mm. and that's because that's the thing that's carrying the rest of the components through right so that's I guess the most important part
1: yeah, yeah yeah
0: all right um your favorite meat to have with ramen
1: favorite meat oh I, i've just got to go pork belly like mm. I, I love chashu and i think it's just a perfect ramen topping you know you got fatty pork and it's real tender and um yeah it's just it's, it's such a staple in ramen as well like that's kind of why it's a classic topping, just because it's okay. so good.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, um, as an aside, I just love how you always say in your posts, now we just can't cater if you're vegetarian, gluten-free, dairy-free. <laughs> yeah. um, it takes a certain amount of um, – but I think one is that, obviously, you don't want to compromise your product and th- because you just can't do it. I assume yeah. you can't make noodles gluten-free because they need, <laughs> need yeah. that. Um, yeah. Like, but, yeah, to be it, able it, to kind of just be like, I'm sorry, but maybe this is – this thing is not for you rather than trying to cater to everyone yeah
1: exactly like um yeah like i just feel like if i don't want to compromise on bits if it'll impact the the ramen bowl as 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 a whole and um yeah
0: i think that takes courage but i think it's very awesome (laughs) (laughs) um all right one ingredient that we will always find in your pantry
1: Oh, soy sauce for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've started collecting a bit I've started like collecting them at this at this point. Like I think oh, okay. now in my pantry there's quite a few types. Like I've got light soy, I've got dark soy, I've got white soy, I've got like a raw soy. Um nice. there's probably a few in there as well, so there's definitely always gonna be soy soy sauce. In my pantry,
0: <laughs> Excel sheet coming.
1: <laughs> it could be. It could be.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, the one thing you love about cooking for other people,
1: um, oh, definitely their reaction when they when they eat my food. Um, yeah, I think that's been the main thing that's sort of kept me going and like and continuing townhouse like just getting a lot of like good feedback from people and being like, yeah it's definitely like yeah the, the feedback and the reactions from people when they yep. eat food um yeah. yeah
0: for me I think that's my favorite part about having a food business in the sense that you can you know get that reaction immediately mm-hmm. and even after so many years of working in food it always gives me that high like when someone tries it and they really like it like I don't know it's just really validation yeah. of me yeah
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah like a, a really really good one was um i think in our recent pop up was this, this one guy he was probably one of the last customers to to come in and eat and then afterwards he i had a bit of a chat with him was like yeah i lived in japan for, for a while and then i came back to Wellington, and i've been trying to find ramen for ages and then i had your bowl and it took me back to japan and i was like Oh man, I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna cry right
0: here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that's that's a beautiful compliment. Is, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. where it all started. All right, and last question: <laughs> favorite time of the day to have ramen?
1: Oh, I want to say any time of the day because I could eat ramen at any time of the day, but um, yeah, probably at night because it's 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 quite because it's it's quite filling and it makes you warm from all the soup and all that, so you just want to have a bowl of ramen and then go to bed afterwards and I think that's perfect
0: Mm. okay awesome that sounds really nice and um I just want to thank you Kevin for coming on the show it's been really amazing listening to your story and yeah I just wish you all the best and maybe I'm going to hire you to make a few excel sheets for me as well
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah sure sure thanks for having me on the podcast
0: Thanks for listening to the Kiwi Foodcast, brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Be sure to listen in next time for another helping of Kiwi Food Stories.